Blog Talk Radio. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still be a force for freedom and prosperity around the world? America has created the longest peacetime economic expansion in our history. We are the heirs of that first revolution. Good common sense and sound judgment of the American people and their essential love of justice. Hi, welcome to the Kudzu Vine for August 29th, 2021. I'm your host, David McLaughlin. Joining me as always, welcome Catherine Smith. Greetings from Atlanta. And welcome Tim Shifflett. Good evening, sir. Oh, good to have you all on. Um, we are fired up tonight, by the way. I don't think we've ever had that fired up a pre-show, um, but we'll get into it on the air here in a second. But uh, about 20 minutes into the show, we're excited um, for the second time. Join us out from uh, Los Angeles in California, uh, Steve Singizer of um, Daily Co's. He's going to join us and talk about the California recall and other California political topics I'm excited to have Steve, uh, Steve on with that uh, big election um, in just a few weeks. That, that I would say, a necessary election, but big nonetheless, um, coming up before the end of the month. Uh, but until then, we are going to talk again about COVID, um, just other um, aspects of it. But before we get into that, I should mention um, your thoughts and prayers and anything we can do, which is probably not much for you know, three or four states away uh, to the people in the area that's in the path of Hurricane Ida. It does not look good. It looks like uh, a hurricane equal um, in many ways to Katrina. Hopefully lessons have been learned, and I do know that they have a new drainage system um, for after the hurricane comes through, so hopefully it'll be far better than about 14 years ago now. Uh, but, But thinking of those folks and Louisiana and I guess Mississippi and uh, all the people that are in that path. Um, but let's let's move on to what we have planned with COVID. And uh, the first thing, and it's really it's a more of a question about how do we think about medical care in our country and where do we want to get our information from. And so um, in the last week or two, um, it's become a lot in the news, although apparently it's been going – Um, and the right side of social media for much, much longer than that, Um, ivermectin, a um, treatment that is for um, animals, sheep, horses, other animals, and and apparently there's other forms that, you know, that each animal can get prescribed for them and their size and their weight, and it's for um, ringworms and deworming and different stuff like that. Now, this uh, paste has been used for topical solutions for um, psoriasis, ringworms, um, rose, I always want to say it wrong, uh, rosea, rosiella or something that's a skin condition in humans, uh, but not for respiratory diseases. Well, somewhere, somehow, people have um, believed that, uh, that this, you know, medication mainly meant for animals, but definitely meant for um, parasites, can somehow treat a respiratory illness. Um, Makes zero sense to me. Now, I'm not a medical person, but but 
you know, I'm a human and I've been around a little while and, and none of it makes any sense based on what I have heard. Uh, Catherine, does it make any sense to you? It does not make any sense to me. The whole thing is so crazy that someone would, I mean, I'm, I'm, I may be jumping to some conclusions, but that you would reject a tested, um, proven to be effective vaccination for a non-tested, unrelated uh, treatment for an unrelated uh, condition. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like a, um, it's, 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 it's nonsensical. And um, it's, it's very sad because I think a lot of, People are falling for uh, misinformation and, you know, sort of grasping at straws for some kind of solution to um, what is, you know, a real tragedy. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a mystery to me. Yes, uh, Tim, um, apparently, you know, places like Tractor Supply are either out of this or have put up warning signs saying, you know, this is not for human consumption um, to this point. And then people are, are saying that they're having to go to India to get it. And I just have no idea where the information from India got out there for the right side of, of medicine, if you will. And I say right as in a politically right side and probably a far right, um, you know, kind of wacky side. Um any idea about, you know, where did this kind of come from? Well, the India thing, I, I, I heard about that, and I figured that the deal there is that much of this stuff is manufactured over there. So they're probably buying it directly from the manufacturers. Uh, I mean, this anti-vaccine craziness promoted by right-wing media that's the beginning of this. They they want to get around the vaccine because they have all kind of crazy conspiracy theories about it, and you, we've heard and discussed all among you. So they're looking for something else. So this gets to being discussed, and next thing you know, here everybody goes getting it. They love to get the pace, my understanding, and spoon it into like their morning coffee or their their orange juice, and, and that's how they ingest it. Um, and it never crosses their mind that they're taking something in, in I guess, similar doses to what a twelve hundred pound cow or horse would ingest. And naturally, our poison control centers are getting inundated with calls from these people who have overdosed on the stuff. And this is just craziness. Look at that warning, guys, that the CDC had to put out. Remember? I mean, you know, it was basically saying, oh, come on, folks. This stuff is meant for horses, you know. 
you just get to a point where you don't know what to think or say about these people anymore. I mean, when they went off the deep end, they went wholesale in a lot of directions, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, and it was, you're not a horse, you're not a cow, y'all stop it. That was pretty yeah, much, basically, um, I was through about doing. 90% of the text. <laughs> yeah, and so, and so, you know, I wanted to look at this, and so I, it was real funny. I looked it up, and what really scared me when I looked on first Twitter, then I was like, well, you know, I know Twitter leans a little left, so I'm going to look at Facebook and really get it. When you search the word Ivermectin, oh, my goodness, it really runs um, majority um, pro. Um, you know, telling all these different, um, you know, pro uh, uses of it and, and all this. This is where it is. And, you know, FDA is not telling us the truth. And, of course, they always bring, you know, Dr. Fauci into it. And, and it's just um, utter nonsense. Um, but I, I actually looked and I tried to see, like, you know, where is this link? You know, it, it, obviously there's somebody thinks that there's some use for humans. And that's where I found out that. With doctors, doctor care, there's been some people that have treated, you know, um, topical skin rashes. And those are worms, you know, like you could have an animal could have worms in the mm-hmm. intestines. A person can have something on their skin that is, is that same parasite based. And so you rub it on there, the doctor gives you a human version and you, and you use a human dosage and you put it on there and it kills that off. But then if you, you yeah. I mean, just have a basic understanding of how the lungs work, the lungs and the skin are two absolutely different organs. I mean, this is not, yeah, I took a Z-pack for the flu yeah. and or I took it for pneumonia or anything that was respiratory. I mean, you shouldn't give your own self medical care, but if you did something that treated a lung disease and you treated it a different way, that would not be smart because you're not a doctor, but at least you sort of know where people are going from. This just makes zero sense. Well, and it's just scary because where is this <laughs> going to stop where people think they can just read random crap, not off of WebMD, not off of thinking they understand the New England Journal of Medicine? Because I wouldn't tell you, I probably wouldn't understand a lot of what's on the New England Journal of Medicine to the level a doctor or a nurse would. But just thinking, Oh, I'm just going to read crap off of social media and just try it. And we're not talking zinc pills or, or apple cider vinegar to lose weight. We're talking to kill or to, you know, fight a disease that's killing people. Tim, I can tell you got more to say. Well, not to mention the formula that they give humans of this stuff and the formula that they give animals of this product are two completely different things. It's like you're not going to go out and buy a dog flea shampoo and put it on a little child's head. You know, this is a totally different thing, just like you're not going to buy head and shoulders and bathe the dog in it. That, That wouldn't be good either. It's two different things. What are... And and this stuff about, well, I'm not a doctor, but I play one on Facebook. i tell you <laughs> what. Getting random medical advice from a perfect stranger on the Internet, what could possibly go wrong? I mean, what is wrong with these people? Good Lord. 
And well, uh, Catherine, that, like, you know, talking it, about that. The only place you can get it is at the tractor supply. <laughs> Wouldn't that be like, like, okay, this maybe isn't, like, they don't have it at CVS or Walgreens. Uh, I, no. It's just, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. But, I mean, I'm yeah, sure I mean, that there's the a whole bunch of conspiracy theories. A, about, you know, oh, they don't yeah, have it at CVS and Walgreens because, you know, the pharmaceutical companies are, you know, there's some there's some explanation for that, I'm sure. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry, David, I interrupted that's part you. of it. it. No, no, it, it's okay. I was actually going to ask you a question, but you, you made another great point, and I want to go that way. And, and it, with the tractor supply, and I wonder if it is a cultural thing because, you know, we have these, you know, we, we've gone over these lists of companies that the the right wants to cancel, and certainly we have ones the left wants to cancel, and they don't trust anymore. You know, tractor supply is seen as that good old Americana place. I've washed my dogs there in the last month. It's got an awesome little dog wash. I've got a pair of tractor supply pants on right now. I'm not against tractor supply because I know that I don't get my medical care there. Um, but there are a lot of people that they probably don't like certain places. Yeah, they're – they're all woke, and, and Tractor Supply is one of those good old American places where the real American shop, and we can trust them. Tim, you, you know, you live up this way. I think there's a Tractor Supply in your home county. In and county and you know what? Is that part of it? I, I, I go there every week to buy dog food. I, you know, I'm not yeah. going there to buy human <laughs> medicine. I read about a fellow that that uh, runs a, a similar type place to that, and he said people have suddenly started coming in wanting to buy the stuff, and he knew exactly what they were doing, and he was telling somebody. He said some of these people are his friends, and he's telling them, you know, it's not safe to take this stuff, and I would just look at him. Oh yeah, I can take it. I mean, how do you reason with them? Well, well yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. Part of me wants to go, hey, lick a shot tablet, because, you know, they were on the chlorine for a while, and, and put a dog collar on your neck. But one reason I want to do that is because, one, I, I've got the good sense to know I'm not a doctor, and, and I don't want to be even a smart aleck with somebody's livelihood or, or life, even though I may not agree with them. But second, are these people, Catherine, culpable if they post these, you know, crazy cures? Could they possibly be sued if if people do poison themselves, oh, I don't think so. I don't think there's any risk. You mean like on Facebook? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like I if you say, so. "Hey, you know, just think the whole a... tube of invermectin for horses," and somebody yeah, dies due to stomach who, poisoning, who? could could somebody be? I mean, especially if they purport to be a medical authority. Yeah. Who who do you sue, man? There's dozens of these well, that's what I'm on saying. Facebook, it, like you mentioned, well, these, and, and and there's just these front hundreds of people out there whatever. saying you know, it. Apparently, there's yeah. Well, you know, there's that that group called like front frontline doctors, and there's you know, because ninety percent of the plus of the doctors have been vaccinated. Um, but you know, you've got that like the, the guy that CNN tracked down, and he was bicycling without a shirt on, and they asked him about some of his information he's posted on facebook and he is a doctor if you would trace some of this not the reposting 10 times but the source if somebody said yeah i got it from the source could they be liable and, and i mean if you are sharing just I utter nonsense I, I, yeah 
I doubt it. Um, uh, I would imagine that someone who's posting that is being very careful not to, you know, put themselves in a um, legal bind. But I, I, I mean, well, it, it, any you, know, you can sue, I, sue someone for anything. It's just a matter of what a judge or a jury, uh, how they and and what your what the attorneys, you know, how they handle it. I mean, you can. Yeah. Well, I mean, I just Nothing think there's, there's from legitimate doctors that are doing – they're doing legitimate medical work. They don't have their best day. We all have bad days, and something about the procedure goes badly, and they get sued, and they were trying their best. And, and people can see both sides of that, but we're saying they're following medical procedures, and they had a off surgery or off whatever, and, and they get sued. Well, this – a person – that's supposed to be a doctor telling people to, you know, use things that you put in a fish aquarium or things that you'd give your sheep knowingly. They, they seem far more culpable than the doctors I've, you know, um, mentioned. Well, let's try to segue into something else just real quickly. And, and it's still related is, uh, and Wendy Davis, our, our um, guest a few weeks ago, who's running for Congress in Georgia's 14th district. She mentioned this and this past week I heard it. And then that article I shared with y'all earlier, a lot of medical facilities are starting to see nurses and other staff not wanting to be vaccinated. And they're forced to make this choice. Do they say everybody should be vaccinated? And if you don't want to be vaccinated, you're out of work, which the problem there is then if they can't replace them, they're way short-staffed at a medical facility. Or do you just allow people at a medical facility to not be vaccinated. It's, it's a terrible choice to have to make. Um, Tim, thoughts? Well, my thought is I really don't want to seek medical treatment at a medical facility and, you know, be looked at by staff who is not vaccinated. I just, I just don't want to do it, will not do it. And, you know, I, I hate the fact that, you know, they may be short-staffed or something, but I really think that everyone in in the medical industry, if they're going to work in it, they should be required to be vaccinated. And to me, that sentence is followed by a period. Yeah. Catherine, um, I'll ask you the same question, but also I'm going to add one to it. Isn't it scary that you've had this medical training when we're even having to ask this question. Yeah, I think that's scary, but, uh, and, and I agree with Tim. I, I wouldn't want to, I, I, I mean, I've been to the doctor over the past, you know, 18 months and I've asked every uh, person that I've, I mean, since vaccinations, I've asked every person that I've dealt with if they've been vaccinated. I, I have to trust that they're telling me the truth. Um, the one uh, thing that I, I really I thought that while it's not a medical um, field, I thought that Delta Airlines announcement recently that they're going to fine people, fine their staff. Uh, I think it was like $200 a month if they are not vaccinated. Um, so they're not losing their job, but they are getting a financial hit um, if they're not vaccinated. Um, I don't think that's a very good solution for Healthcare, because I agree that especially if you're uh, in patient contact, like if you're a, you know, administrator or something and you don't want to get a vaccine, 
uh, that's a little bit different. I, I still think I, I agree with Tim and what you just said, David, is that if you're a medical professional, why would you not get a vaccination? What is what is the argument? Unless it's something medical or religious. I mean, if it's a medical or religious reason, there should be some, you know, um, uh, way to solve that. But um, yeah, I, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, and and I have to think that with some places like in Arkansas, like fifty percent of the nurses. Uh, are not vaccinated. There's a cultural, you know, phenomenon going on because I have a feeling in the, in the blue states, the cities, the vaccination rates are far higher for medical professionals than they are in the more rural areas. And, and somebody's got to get to the bottom of that and, and, and diagnose that um, to see where we can, you know, close that gap. But right now, I, we're going to move um, to something totally different and something more raw and political out in California with our guest rejoining us for the second time, Steve Stingizer. Steve, glad to have you on the show. Hey, good to, have, good to be on with you guys. Hope you can hear me okay. I'm driving yes, through the one part of L.A. where every, where every power line in God's green seems to be in the same spot. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you know, I was out there. But I think we're, I think we're good. Though. I did not drive one second. I, I avoided that uh, infamous LA traffic. Uh, the traffic yeah. is fine, well, well, uh, but I appear to be driving past the one thing that powers the rest of the community, or something. So, uh, hopefully, it'll go okay. It's great to be on with you guys. I hope everyone down in that general area. Particularly Gulf Coast is safe right now. Um, that's some scary stuff that we out here do not have to experience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, cooler temperatures, no hurricanes. That was something I learned out there as well. Yeah. Um, well, well, Steve, um, you know, we had you on back in January. The recall effort was starting to kind of bubble up, and, and you know, it didn't appear that it was like destined that it would just absolutely go anywhere. Well, of course, in, in 2021 politics, or politics in the last, like, five years, uh, if it's rational, it won't happen. If it's irrational, it will. You do have a recall on your hands, and it looks like it is going to be rather a close race. Um, kind of give us a bird's-eye view of where that stands right now. Well, I, I think you're right. The nature of recalls is such that, and this is, you know, just a, for a minor bit of editorializing, that's why I can't stand them. They're different beasts than a general electorate because if it were Gavin Newsom versus, say, Larry Elder, or Gavin Newsom versus, well, we don't even have to guess about Gavin Newsom versus John Cox. We got that three years ago, and John Cox got his head kicked in. But because it's just a binary question of do you like this guy or not, the natural kind of momentum about politicians is such that these are always a hairy deal, to say the least, right? So the polling data is not what you would typically see in a California election. And so I know, I mean, the Democrat Governor Association just threw in another $3 million or so this week. They're definitely not confident about the outcome, and they shouldn't be. Uh, and that's not necessarily because of an ascendant Republican Party or some of the rather awful spin you'll hear out in the general media, it's just because that's what, that's what recall elections are, right? 
I'll give you one example non-gubernatorial. We have a state senator down this way in Orange County by the name of Josh Newman. Josh Newman got elected in 2016. He was recalled, I want to say it was 2017 or 2018, 59 to 41 he was recalled. He then ran for that same seat in 2020 and won by three. That's just the nature of the recall. It's a very different question than just a general election question, which is why Team Newsom and the Democratic Governors Association is nervous. And they should be because, for one thing, and this is the case with a lot of small turnout elections, but and I'll, and I'll get to it a little later about the turnout because it may not be as small as we thought, but in small turnout elections, the most motivated people show up. Well, obviously, if it's a recall of Gavin Newsom, people that hate him the most are going to show up. The people that don't care about him much one way or another may not be quite as motivated to return that ballot. So that's a different dynamic. Uh, another part of the dynamic that's different is, again, it's a binary question. Gavin Newsom got 61% of the vote in 2018. Other than right at the beginning of COVID, I don't know that his approval rating has ever approached that. You know, you cannot particularly care for a guy, but consider him better than the alternative. But in a, in a recall election, that calculus doesn't fit. It's just it's a straight thumbs up, thumbs down. Yes. Now, give us a little history. Uh, my understanding was is a lot of the rules to the recall process were written when California had a much smaller population. Therefore, the threshold is far lower than it should be for a state of, uh, what do you call, 50 million now? About 39 to 40, but no. Basically what it comes down to is you have to get 10% to, to just put it on the ballot. You need to get 10% of the previous election's turnout to sign petitions. Now, that may seem like a fairly modest, uh, or not modest, a fairly steep climb, but it's not really. Because, of course, election turnout is the key word there, right? So even if you have a turnout of 15 million voters, which would be a pretty robust turnout here, that means you got to get 1.5 million signatures. Well, there's about 21 million registered voters. So another way to look at it, which is why a lot of people think the recall rules are too generous, is you need about 6% or 7% of the registered voters in the state to put a recall election on the ballot. That's not a lot. So 93% of the people either could not want the recall or could care less, and that thing's on the ballot because you got the 1.5 or 1.7, I think it was in this case, uh, 1.7 million of the most motivated Republican voters to sign this thing. So the rules are okay. pretty generous. Um, and, and now we see that it's being weaponized. Now, I will say this. In the case of Gavin Newsom, I, I, I actually used to know this number cold, and, I, and I'm ashamed to say I don't anymore. But I want to say this is about the fourth, fifth, or sixth time that they've tried to recall him in three years and they've missed the threshold by various amounts the previous times. What happened this time that was a little bit different is they started their petition effort end of last year, beginning of this year, and this is right when we were coming out of a lot of the COVID restrictions, but some remained. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I was talking with my brother. Uh, we just came back from the Dodger game, and uh, your Braves did us a solid by beating the Giants, but then we managed to fumble it away. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm, I'm not happy about that, but uh, he made a great point. He said, you know who drove this was angry football moms, and he's not wrong. 
this was at the point where all the sports had been canceled because we were still going through COVID protocols. And there was a huge movement out here called the Let Them Play movement. And it was an amalgamation of, of, of teenage parents, um, teen, parents of teenagers, not teenage, not the MTV show, teenage, parents of teenagers and coaches who were angry about the restrictions. And I think that drove a lot of the signatures. So it's just a combination of bad timing at the time the signatures were being gathered and how relatively easy it is to get these things on the ballot. Yeah, it, it sounds way too low. I mean, an 85-15 election is a blowout. But if 10% is the threshold, you could get two-thirds of the people that didn't vote for the 85 candidate, percent candidate, and, and then you can put this on. It sounds like much like impeachment has been weaponized. You know, Marjorie Taylor Greene impeached Joe Biden right after he took those office. It was just utter nonsense. It sounds like the California a recall can become that same thing like people are trying to use impeachment. Oh, I think you're absolutely correct. And uh, I got as an example, I, I think it was two or three, it's very similar to the MTG situation. I want to say it was maybe three months after the election, some gadfly out here in California tried to get every Democratic row officer from governor down to insurance commissioner uh, recalled. I don't even think the election had been formally certified yet, and they started that going. Now, because she is a gadfly without a lot of uh, heft, she didn't get the signatures and it went nowhere. But that just tells you how weaponized that this process has become. Uh, Say what you will about Gavin Newsom, whether you love the guy or don't love the guy, and, you know, opinions obviously vary, but something like the recall when the progressives came up with it 100-plus years ago was envisioned as something, a way of bypassing a corrupt legislature and a corrupt executive branch that was protecting themselves. That's not what happened here. You say what you will about Newsom, to, to, in any way that's coherent, say what he did to deserve a recall election. But you don't need to. All you need to do is get, you get those requisite number of signatures and you're home free. Yes. Well, there's plenty more questions about the California recall and other California topics. So I'm going to pass it to Catherine. We'll pass it to Tim. And if they leave anything left for me, I may have another question or two. Catherine? Thanks for being on with us tonight. We really appreciate it. So my question is, why can't we recall Governor Kemp and DeSantis <laughs> all the – there's so many governors that should be recalled, and then we have, you know, Newsom, who, you know, for, you know, I know people are unhappy with him. He's done some things that I didn't like, but, you know, I live in Georgia, so I can whine all I want about the governor of California. But I just think it's really interesting that um, of all the governors, that Newsom is the one being hit on this. I guess I'm sure it has to do with uh, recalls legislation and regulations but is it really uh, is it is it that he's a democrat or is it really all about COVID or is it a combination what do you think I think it's a little bit of both to be honest with you I think it's that California Republicans are relatively powerless here they have a fraction of a fraction of the legislature and they hold no statewide offices they have no bench 
they know that in a standard 2002 election, that, or 2022 election, pardon me, that they're probably going to go nowhere, like they have in most of them that haven't involved Arnold Schwarzenegger. So you put all that together, and it's like, this is our one chance to get something done. And, I, and of course, they have fond memories of the, of the Davis recall in 2003, which was successful. But a lot's changed since then, too. This is a, you know, ballot, mail ballot election. That's going to be a key difference. Uh, people forget Gray Davis had a horrible approval rating. Terrible. He was in the 30s at one point. Uh, he just happened to run against somebody that was so unpopular that he was able to hold on and win in 2002. Uh, Davis was wildly unpopular. While Newsom has done some things that optically didn't look good, the famous French laundry thing and things like that, his approval rating is not terrible. So, but I think to answer your question, to go back to your question, I think it's mainly a factor of the California Republicans know that this is the only way for them to even have a sniff of a hope of a position of power in the state of California right now. They're just too deep a minority. And who, of the, is there a whole, I haven't looked at the list. Is there like, you know, three dozen people running? I think the final number came out at 46. Now, one thing that's about that is, though, well, hey, that may sound like a lot to you. In 2003, it was well over 100. Because, again, there's not a lot of standard to be a replacement candidate. So we had, we had Gary Coleman and porn actresses and other assorted randoms. Uh, but I think it's about three dozen. No, it's about four dozen. But only a few of them are serious candidates with any institute, any any major funding. Um, you've got Larry Elder, who's been a right-wing talk show host here in California since, oh gosh, since forever, basically. Uh, you've got John Cox, who was the Republican nominee in 2018 and, and got beat pretty bad, but he's he's got a lot of his own money and he's he's self-funded to the tune of eight figures, I think, at this point. Uh, you've got Kevin Faulkner, who I think, to be honest with you, is who the kind of establishment Republican Party would love to see as the sole candidate because he's the former governor, our former mayor, excuse me, of San Diego and has a bit more normal of a profile. And then you have Caitlyn Jenner, whose campaign honestly has degenerated into a bit of a sideshow and not even a really entertaining sideshow. It's not even, you know. It's comedy, but it's not even that funny at this point. Uh, who uh, I think a poll came out this week that had her at one percent behind people that I live here, and she was behind people in the poll that I've never heard of. So that's not that's <laughs> so not good for her. What's how, how does it work? That most votes wins, or is there a runoff situation? And that and that's great question. And that, to be honest with you, is what I cannot stand about the recall in the state of California. It is most votes wins. So in theory, hypothetical, let's say that 10 million people vote in this recall, and let's say that Newsom is narrowly recalled. So let's say it's 49-51. So 4.9 million people support Gavin Newsom. Larry Elder could win the the replacement vote, as they call it, with 20% of them. So in other words, Gavin Newsom got 4.9 million people to support him in this recall, Larry Elder got two million. Larry Elder's your governor because that's that's the way the rules go. It's a binary question, yes or no, and then the replacement is most votes wins. Now in two thousand three, oh, so, oh my gosh, oh. so 
So yeah. they're not voting Ab- for Gavin happen. Newsom. Wow. Right. Newsom, that Newsom is the some, second, the that way is some it's going to Well, it is. And, and the way it's done in the state of California, which is some significant crazy, is the binary question is first. Do you want to recall and remove from office Gavin Newsom? If that is successful, he is eliminated as a possible candidate. So it's left to the replacement candidates. Now, there's where the Democrats made a tactical decision that, to be honest with you, I'm not sure I thought was a smart move, which is they decided not to put up somebody in that second election. Okay? In 2003, they did. They put uh, Cruz Bustamante, the lieutenant governor, was put up. And he lost badly to Schwarzenegger. Honestly, Schwarzenegger got a lot of Democrat votes. Uh, But this time around, they decided not to do that because they didn't want to muddle the message. They didn't want to legitimize the recall by promoting a candidate. They just said, vote no on the recall, period. Well, the danger there is, like I said, if Larry Elder gets 20% of the vote of that second vote, he's governor. Even though Gavin Newsom was elected in 2018 with two point – oh, no, I'm sorry, not two point – 7.7 7.7 million votes. Larry Elder could be our governor for a year with less than 2 million. That is something that could, in theory, happen. It is a really bizarre and not very productive system. Wow. That's just, just it's shocking. <laughs> uh, with that, I'm going to pass it to Tim, and then he'll pass it back to David. Thank you very much. Not a problem. Okay. Uh, Good evening, Steve. Thank you for being on with us again. Um, you know, the Democrats run that state. They, they, they hold all, all of the constitutional offices. They have overwhelming majorities in the state legislature. Why don't they just change all these laws and, you know, Put the clamps down on these Republicans. I tell you what, if Republicans were running that state, they'd certainly do it. Yeah, I get the feeling they're kicking themselves right now for not having done that when they had a chance. I don't Uh know if it was, to be honest with you, I'll plead a little ignorance here. I don't know, to be honest with you, if that was they were afraid of the optics or, or what, but yeah, I think they wish they had done that now. And I don't think you have to eliminate the recall entirely, although if it were up to me, I would. I, I happen to be a firm believer that the, you don't like the officer that's in there, then if it's not an impeachable offense where the legislature could impeach them, then well, get them next election if they're that bad. Having said yeah. that, I think it was the, the optics of changing the rules as he was under a signature-gathering campaign, I think they were afraid might give momentum to the recall, but – the thing is, the Democrats in the legislature could do pretty much what they want. There's 61, right. I believe it is, out of 80 seats in the Assembly, 29 out of 40 in the Senate. Uh, they could lose They could lose some defectors and still be just fine. So that's frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, it, now, the one is. thing that I have heard, that, I, the one thing I've heard that someone suggested as a possibility, which I would be greatly amused by, is should this somehow be successful in and my, if I was a betting man, I'd say it won't be. I think it'll be a lot closer than a lot of people think, but I think it will probably fail narrowly. But if it does succeed and we get a Larry Elder, we get a John Cox, that the legislature should just impeach and remove him on day one. 
as as he's being sworn in for just a little extra pop. <laughs> but but thanks the, for coming. The problem, yeah, really. But the but the problem isn't it what Larry Elder could do. For instance, Diane Feinstein is eighty eight years old, and if God forbid something happens that she should have to step down for health reasons or something then doesn't the governor of California get to appoint someone to an open U.S. Senate seat there? Yes, sir. So now that's something and, that the legislator, legislature could fix tomorrow if they wanted to. Uh-huh. Now, there are plenty of see, states. I was going to add in, Steve, so basically this could blow up to the point that if this recall is successful and, that, say, Larry Elder becomes governor and then gets to appoint a U.S. senator, the Republicans take over the U.S. Senate in Washington. Have, have the voters thought through things like this? You're starting to see references to things like that in ads. So uh-huh. it, it definitely the Democratic Party is trying to make them clear on that. Now, this is one of the things that, frustratingly, the Democrats in the legislature could fix tomorrow. Plenty of states have laws, for example, that the governor has to select from a legislative-generated list or a party-generated list of candidates from the same party. Uh-huh. You know, And so Elder might be able to pick, but he's going to pick from three Democrats that either the legislature or the California Democratic Party selects. And that way he mm-hmm. can't make wholesale changes like that. A lot of states have laws like that. Uh, and so when you put in that, that's something they can do. And if you ask me, it's something they should do. Because mm-hmm. Diane Feinstein is, you know, obviously she's planning on running. She's planning on staying in the Senate until 2024. But as you said, she's 88 years old. And, today, you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic, you know. It, it seems mm-hmm. to be a sort of unnecessary risk. Um, and that's why there was a tremendous amount of pressure brought to bear, um, which went without a response, of course. But uh, there was a bit of pressure brought to bear. I shouldn't say a tremendous amount, but there was a bit of pressure brought to bear over the beginning of the summer when the recall qualified that she should resign her office and let Newsom appoint a replacement while he was still the governor. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that went nowhere. Uh, but you do have to start thinking about things like that. When you have an implication of a 50-50 Senate, and right now as the current uh, rules are in place, your scenario is 100% correct. Uh, Larry Elder would be able to appoint whoever he chose. He would choose poorly for sure because he's Larry Elder, and Uh that could have tremendous implications. Well, I have one more question about California that's bothered me for a while. Uh, you know, here in Georgia, the, the Republican legislature does all the redistricting. They draw all the lines, and, you know, they basically keep themselves in office every 10 years. Now, in California, you have a commission that does that, an independent commission. If yes. the Democrats in the legislature decided to do so, they could change that law as well, and we could probably pick up six to eight more seats in Congress, and I was just wondering why they would not do that. 
I think the main reason is, well, there's a couple. And I, I would say that six to eight is incredibly optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, where the Republicans still have seats, they it'd be very hard for them to lose. Like first district comes the northeastern part of the state. Uh, there's an Inland Empire seat, the eighth district. Now, granted, there are some that are very vulnerable, you know, the ones that here in the L.A. and Orange County area, and they could be tinkered mm-hmm. with a bit. And mm-hmm. But the main reason why they have gone to the commission system is their hands were tied a bit by the fact that it was originally an initiative, if I remember correctly, at the beginning of the past decade. So they'd, mm-hmm. be, uh, they'd be overturning a, a ballot initiative, and the optics of that look pretty bad. But the difference, I think it goes to a point that uh, kind of underscores the point you're making, at least indirectly. The difference between the Republicans and the Democrats in one key way in present day is the Republicans wouldn't care less about the optics of it. They just do That's it anyway. That's correct. We see that. That's correct. We see that in places like Ohio where they're trying to kind of maneuver around the 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 commission that they that their voters authorized. Um, but California Democrats, for whatever you know. Are, are very leery of that. Also, I think one of the reasons they don't feel too fearful of that is the last commission map actually wound up working really, really well for them, particularly at the state legislative level, but even at the congressional level. Uh, in any modest wave election, we do very well. We go up to about 40, you know, 45 seats to seven or whatever it's going to wind up being. Uh, or not 45, sorry, it was uh, 40, 45-8. Sorry. I'm a history teacher, not a math teacher. Um, but so at the beginning of the decade, I want to say it was like 38 to 15. So, you know, they, in good in good wave years for us, that 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 map was a gold mine for us. Um, so that mm-hmm. might be another reason why they just don't see the necessity in it the way that the difference is Georgia Republicans, when they go to gerrymander, they know they have to. That state's shifting underneath their feet, and they're racing the clock. You know, despite mm-hmm. what some people think about California, it does not appear to be changing that fast, right? Mm-hmm. Trump lost California by 32 points in 2016 and lost it by 30 in in 2020. So I think Georgia Republicans are acting, to be honest with you, out of a bit more desperation than, than California Democrats are. Uh, they don't hear the clock ticking the way that, that a lot of Republicans, not just in Georgia either. Uh, look at all the machinations mm-hmm. of the Texas Republican Party. They they hear the clock ticking too. Um, Democrats just don't feel that way yet. Maybe they should, but it doesn't appear that they do. Uh, final question: If Governor Newsom survives this recall, and it looks like if he does, it'll be narrowly, is his future in politics mortally damaged? I'm going to say no, and I'm going to use an example of somebody that I may hate more than anybody in politics, and that's Scott Walker. Remember, mm-hmm. Walker guy was the was the target of a recall attempt in 2012, barely held it off, and mm-hmm. won his next term, not comfortably, but for that state, reasonably comfortably. He won the next mm-hmm. term by five, six, seven points. So it's not a guarantee that if he doesn't win this time around that he's that he's doomed. Um, I'm sorry that if, he, that if he wins this time around, he's doomed for 2022. In fact, I'd say quite the opposite. Um, that might have been, you know, that might embolden 
uh, so when Republicans come next year and say, get rid of Gavin Newsom, voters will say, well, didn't we just do that or didn't we just try to do that? You know, <laughs> that's one mistake I think they're making, holding this recall this late. When they went after mm. Gray Davis, they went after him the next year. So right. that, that the timing that was, I think, a bit more fortuitous here, they may be – you better get him this time around because I think – they, I think they put them in a better position for 2022, assuming oh, wow. COVID gradually fades off the radar and everything else. I'm making a lot of assumptions mm-hmm. here, of course, but um, but Walker was put into a better position after the recall because because he survived it. Yeah, excellent points. And with that, I'm going to send it back to David. David. Yes, well, Steve, you have kept mentioning, and for good reason, Larry Elder, because he's first in the polls. But obviously there are more Republicans running, and um, California has more Democrats than Republicans. Could enough people vote no on recall but still choose the own – well, I guess there's like two or three Democrats on the ballot, but the one that's got, I guess, the most name recognition, not really a elected official commodity but more of a um, YouTube star, Kevin Pathrath. Is there a chance that he gets enough votes to maybe get, you know, a percent or two more than Larry Elder and becomes the next governor and is still a Democrat? It's possible mathematically for sure. What needs to happen that isn't happening yet is Elder, on the, on the opposite side of the equation, I guess I should say, Elder or uh, needs to fade or a Cox or a Faulkner or a, I laugh at myself when I say this, a Jenner need to step up and split that vote a little more broadly, right? Right now, Larry Elder is getting a pretty considerable majority of the right of center vote. If that splits a bit more and the best Republican gets 14 or 15 percent as opposed to 25 percent, then it changes the calculus a little bit. But the problem is, so far, that hasn't happened, and I don't know that it will. I, I wish it would, but John Cox's ads are so bad that my one of my daughters walked into the room last night when one, or another, the other night when one of the ads was on and turned to me, and she's not very political at all. She turned to me and said, Dad, is that ad a parody? Like, is it a joke ad? I'm like, no, dear, that's, that's his real ad. Because he has these ads featuring bears, and they're just, he's not a very are actually pretty good, but he's yeah. not really well-funded, so you're not seeing them very often. So that's what, for, for Pafras to have a chance, that's what you'd need to have happen, is you would need somebody to, to kind of split that up a little bit and make Elder have to, to work for it a little more. Yeah, I think y'all are just lucky – that the guy with the dreadlocks that spoke at the uh, San Diego uh, commission meeting that blew like the wind at first and then just started screaming. <laughs> I, I think you're lucky he didn't make the ballot because he might actually get more votes than Elder and the rest of the Republicans, and that might be your next governor. Um, well, I'm expecting to see that guy on either WWE or AEW or something. <laughs> Well, now, we didn't that's get what it looked like to me. Yet, Steve, uh, but let's let's stay with politics right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, you're, you're the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti. He took, he has apparently been nominated and is going to accept um, a, a post as ambassador to India. 
Um, you know, if um, Gavin Newsom were to be recalled and the Democrats need another candidate, if, you know, a Senate seat opens up, it seems like Garcetti would be in a perfect position to take advantage of that. But could he do that from India? I, I would think not. And that's why, to be honest with you, I was a bit surprised when his name came up for the nomination. I always thought that his ambitions were, were a bit higher. And certainly the, the, the likelihood that there will be an open Senate seat in 2024, the fact that there could be an open gubernatorial seat, you know, by 20, certainly by 26 because of term limits, and he's not – he's my age, so he's not a guy who's at the end of his career uh, – I don't know what to make of that, to be honest with you. I was a bit surprised myself uh, to see that happen. But, I mean, maybe he just has had enough of elective uh, service and he wants to try something different. It's the only thing I can think of because for a guy who's been pretty good on political calculations up to this point, this doesn't seem to be a political calculation. It almost feels like something he just wants to do because he wants to do it. Yes. Well, uh, you know, it was very strange to me. It just came on the heels of a few months after the mayor of Atlanta, Keisha Lance Bottoms, turned down um, an ambassadorship. Now, that was to a smaller country in the Caribbean, not the second most populous nation in the world, which my understanding is India may be the most populous nation um, at some point in the near future. So I understand there's a difference level there. But um, it just seemed like he had some future in him, and he still may. Um, but but it's going to take him out of the um, you know American and, and Californian uh, limelight, if you will. Well, well, Steve, you brought it up. Now I noticed uh, today you liked a post uh, of Lance Armstrong. Um, should he have not been one of the five tests of Jericho? Oh, you mean Lance Storm? Yeah, Lance Storm. When I say Lance Storm, Lance Storm. Oh, you, you, you said Armstrong. Well, I'll ask you a wrestling question. That would be that would Lance be, Storm. I'm sorry. If it was Lance, if it was if it was Lance Armstrong, that would definitely be amazing. Um, although he may not pass the <laughs> drug protocols. Um, but no, Lance Storm. For those who don't know, who Lance Storm is Lance Storm is a pro wrestler from the '90s and 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 aughts who honestly is one of the best Twitter follows as well. Just a really interesting interesting guy i think that that would have been amazing to square the circle like that here's the guy who came, who broke in with him they were in the same they were in Stu hart's academy together 30 years ago uh and if you've ever seen if you've seen lance storm lately i know he's in his early 50s at this point dude looks like he could still go i mean he is a big strong yeah, dude mountain today. I would put, yeah oh yeah Guy's in animal shape. He was yeah. training people as recently as as, the, as before the uh, pandemic. Uh, was producing for WWE, and that's probably why my suspicion is he has some sort of a non compete with WWE because he was producing for them fairly recently. So uh, maybe that's yeah. what it is. Um, but that would have been amazing. Oh yeah. Well, I just had to get a wrestling question in there since I know all of your. Um, Twitter, in addition to all kinds of great politics, you talk all kinds of sports as well. But, uh, Steve, let's leave it with that. Um, if anybody wants to read what you have to say on Twitter or on Daily Codes, give them that information. Okay, the uh, Twitter handle is my first and last name, Steve Singizer, S-I-N-G-I-S-E-R. And uh, 
you'll see me on Daily Kos on election nights more often than not. Uh, occasionally besides that, but the day job and the dad job kind of gets in the way of, of more prolific writing. Uh, both of those jobs I love, though, so that's okay. Uh, but I'm on Twitter way more often than I should be. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But then again, well, aren't we all? Steve, uh, we'll have to get you – yes. We'll have to get you on after, of course, this recall election and then uh, when some more things start to develop because – even though it seemed like the longest California was just a, a lock set for the Democrats, it's uh, become more of an intriguing state than maybe it should be. Yeah, like I said, recalls are a different beast, and anyone who looks and says, oh, California's a blue state, that won't be anything to, to pay attention to is probably making a mistake. So I, I know the Newsom team won't do that, and that's what matters most. Yes. Well, it'll be interesting to watch later this month. Great to have you on the show tonight. Yes, sir, it will. Thanks so uh, much. Thank you, sir. It was sir. a pleasure to be on. Thank you so much yep. for the opportunity, you guys. Really appreciate you. Sure thing. Steve Singizer from out in California. Um, and just really, I mean, obviously when you have a population that's so large, um, it is a mover and a shaker of a state um, and so important in our country. And so we'll be watching that. And, and as that um, election um, draws near, we might have to make a prediction on it. And then additionally, we'll have to cover what the results are. We've got just a few more minutes on the show. And um, we have talked about this possible candidacy for a while now. It actually got announced and, and has come to fruition. Um, there was a kickoff video and then there was a, news story to drop. Um, Catherine Herschel Walker is in the race. Um, they did a um, intro video, which was pretty apolitical for any candidate and really apolitical for the bomb throwing that the average Republican is doing. Um, and then, of course, the news stories come out, which um, people have already heard history of where his um, relations with his um, partners and spouses is, um, is not good. Let's just we'll put it to bed it mildly. Um, what's your thoughts on Herschel Walker actually announcing for office? You know, I, I think we all expected this to come. And I, I just, I, uh, you know, I'm not a sports person, so I don't really follow I never have followed football, but I understand that he was a really outstanding football player, and I admire that. I know that's a really tough uh, sport to to excel at. So, you know, props to that. But I just don't think he's got the um, the whatever it is to be a senator. Um, I just – I think he'll be uh, – I don't think he'll perform well in debates. I suspect his um, position on issues is not going to be very clear. And uh, I doubt that he'll be a very compelling candidate unless he completely focuses on his uh, career as a football player and tries to completely gain from that. Yes, but, you know, Tim, we'll you saw the kickoff video. He's a Republican video, in Georgia. And, so. and you, yeah. Um, what were your thoughts on 
Herschel Walker's uh, first official moves as candidate? Well, I thought the I thought the video was pretty good. It's better, better, a lot better than what I expected it to be. Um, he's going to try to run as the small town guy with small town values and stuff like that. Of course, uh, outside of the personal issues with him, though, there's a lot of things he said. We ain't going to get to them tonight. I wrote them down. It's like a page full of things, full of conspiracy theories and and nuttiness and uh, Twitter rants and things he said on Fox News and, and within the, all within the last year. And I would imagine that uh, any opponent is, is going to ask him about some of those things. Uh, and I imagine the news media is going to be asking him about some of those things. It's going to be interesting to see how he handles himself. Uh, with the news media and in things like a debate setting and and that sort of thing, because uh, this is uh, this is going to be a very very different type thing for Herschel Walker. So I I don't yes, know if he's going to do it or not. Yeah, and one thing I think it's important to realize is um, you know Gary Black and other candidates on the Republican side of this race are not just going to roll over and play dead for him. And so he's going to That's face right. a lot of this in the Republican primary. It's, it's not even when he gets to the general or if he gets the general That's with right. um, Raphael Warnock. Um, you know, right. and Jumbo Elliott, who I didn't even remember was a teammate of Herschel's in 95. They both played for the New York Giants. And, uh, by the way, speaking of good followers on Twitter, uh, Jumbo Elliott's very interesting. Um, Catherine, you'll like this. He was a Michigan alum. Um, but, but he, uh, you know, just really, you know, was kind of critical of the Herschel Walker candidacy, and I gave my take on it since I guess I was the only Georgia person kind of in that conversation. And I said, you know, I just get the feeling that the Georgia GOP is kind of using Herschel, and this is just not going to be a good experience for either of them. Because, you know, he's admitted he has multiple personality disorder, and I'll take him at his word. But then when his defense of maybe some of these allegations that have come out is, oh, I was suffering from that, that defense is not going to really be something that instills as much faith in the voters. <laughs> you know, it, it just, it, it's just a mess. Um, and it's, it's kind of like he's got this legacy of Georgia where lots of people liked him, other than people like Tim that, that cheered for the Yellow Jackets. A lot of people probably, you know, remembered Herschel finally. And now if he gets into a bunch of controversial political statements or just looks like he's overmatched, which might happen, a lot of that, uh, you know, good sentiment may fade away for at least the people that were in the state in 1980. I mean, the folks that just showed up in the last, say, 10 years, they probably are not going to be that interested one way or the other in what he did in UGA you know, now 40 mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. True. Well, um, uh, great to have Sting's, uh, Steve Stingizer on the show about California. Next week, um, we're planning to have Mike Mickus on the show again. That Pennsylvania Senate race is one of the most interesting. They also have a governor's race. They're going to have redistricting, um, congressional elections. So we're going to talk to Mike about all of that next week on the show. Until then. Been the Kudzu Good night, guys.
we are the heirs of that first revolution. Will a strong and united America still?